Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Intuitive Homeopathy Podcast. Today, I have with me Stephanie Newton, who is a homeopath out of Florida and a dear friend of mine. We met over 10 years ago, and she came to me as one of my first homeopathic clients. And what a learning journey and learning curve we have been on together over these last 10, 12 years. And it was a really special time in my practice where I was actively curious, actively learning. And I luckily got involved with this amazing group of moms who had found themselves online and we're supporting each other with their kids. And we're in this amazing crucible of figuring out homeopathy and how it would help their, you know, PDD, NOS, rage flares, pandas, pans. And it was Stephanie who asked me one, one time, can you just send me the strepnosode? And we learned so much about the strepnosode together and so many remedies. And The way that I practice now and what I am teaching, which is this very collaborative, intuitive style of homeopathy, started with Stephanie and this group of moms. So there we go. I'm so grateful she's on today. I'm so grateful that she's practicing. And without further ado, Stephanie, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more? about this journey that we were on. Yeah. So uh, I'm Stephanie Newton and um, I have two boys. They are now aged, well, one is about to turn 15. The other one is eight. I practice homeopathy. Um, I also teach science on the side, which some may think that's a little bit of a, (laughs) I don't know, opposite opposite ends of the spectrum, but it works for me. So I had been doing biomed with my boys for pandas and some autistic features and we were getting we were getting somewhere with the autism. I felt like um, they were more present. You know, a lot of a lot of things were getting better, but pandas was getting worse. And anybody who has dealt with both knows that uh, a lot of people would say autism is a walk in the park compared to pandas. And I found that to be true. So I started a Yahoo group called Pandas and Autism. And I thought to myself, like, this was back when everybody was communicating through Yahoo groups. We weren't, we didn't have Facebook yet. And so I thought to myself, if anybody can find the cure for pandas or just some kind of help for pandas, it'll be in the autism community. And so that's why I named it Pandas and Autism. A lot of people joined really quickly and we were all comparing notes, like, what do we do? You know, Biomed is not working for pandas. Biomed included antibiotics, which I think were harming more than helping most kids. So what happened is Beth Monteroso popped in one day and messaged me and said, hey, I've been getting a lot of success with Pierre Fontaine. And I didn't know Beth. I didn't know who Pierre Fontaine was. And that started the rabbit hole of me, you know, me going down the rabbit hole of finding out what homeopathy was, who you know, asking a lot of questions, who should I hire? And I was going to go with Pierre, but he had like a nine month waiting list at the time. And Angelica, you were relatively new in his practice. And so I went with you and that it just felt right, honestly. Um, and so yeah, I came with I came to you. And 
my oldest son was, I mean, you turned him around quickly with his first remedy, was, which was Ignatia. Um, he came out of a very, very dark place with that remedy. The other one took a little bit longer because he had an active strep infection at the time that like, not even antibiotics were able to clear at all. He also had impetigo, so probably some staph in there. He was just kind of a walking um, <laughs> infection, unfortunately, at the time. So it took longer for us to make a dent with him. And he was just more complex overall. So yeah, I guess that's my introduction. That's how I got into homeopathy. Yeah. Tell me more about how you were collaborating with these other moms and the way that you just kind of dove into giving remedies yourself. I mean, I was collaborating with you as well and giving you advice, but there was a kind of fearless quality to how you and this group of moms were really working with the remedies and trialing them out. We were all figuring it out together. And I knew that I just kind of understood that. And so, and also, you know, myself, I'm not going to name the moms, but there were a handful of moms that we were all talking. I think we had like a long Facebook chat going together and we would just talk every single day, all day long about our kids. And because all of our kids were in pandas flares at the time or had other things going on. And so we were just like, okay, here's what's happening today. What should I give? Like we were just telling each other what to give. And over time we didn't need each other as much anymore to, to dose because I think we had to help each other so much in the beginning because we were in our own fight or flight with our own kids. You know, when, when you're surrounded by chaos um, in your home, it's harder to think (laughs) it's harder to intuit. Like, what do I need to give this person, this, this kid at this time? And so we could help each other in those moments of like total, you know, chaos. And, you know, why was there total chaos? Well, even, you know, I, I mentioned that my older son really started to turn around quickly with the first dose of his remedy. But, you know, pandas being a sort of a sawtooth thing, there were definitely times when um, I wasn't giving the right, we weren't giving the right remedy or whatever. And he would have a flare or he would go and get exposed to strep or whatever, and then come home and have a flare. So it was sort of a constant maintenance thing that had to be happening. And a a homeopath can only be present so much. You know, you could talk daily to homeopath. And still, you wouldn't know what to do that afternoon, you know, by the afternoon. So um, it it was sort of a constant maintenance thing in the beginning. Um, And of course, over time, that got easier. And regarding the fearlessness, yes, I think the reason why we were all so fearless and we were just kind of throwing remedy cocktails at our kids is because we, I think we all felt like we had exhausted every other avenue. And it was almost like we had nothing to lose. It was like, these kids are in such a bad state and nobody has been able to help them thus far. And it's up to us. Like we are the ones who have to help them. And so, you know, a lot of people kind of come to homeopathy a little bit afraid to use nozodes, um, you know, which target um, infections. And we didn't have those fears because I think our kids were, were just such a mess anyway. Like there was only one way, there was only one way to go at that point and that was up. So we sort of had that fearlessness of just, okay, I think this is what my kid needs today. I'm just going to give it and see what happens. And I think a lot of people are afraid they're going to break their kids with remedies. 
um, or dosing themselves, like making these dosing decisions on their own. None of our kids <laughs> were broken by that, you know. Um, all of our kids are thriving. I mean, literally all, or myself and these mo- these handful of moms that I would talk to, all of our kids are thriving. I can't think of one that's not. Can you share a little bit about what some of the symptoms that you were seeing at home and maybe some of the remedies that you were giving amidst these flares and what you saw? I won't go into great detail just because my kids are, you know, older now and it's their story. I don't have their story on the internet anymore, you know, that kind of thing. But there was a lot of emotional ability. That was the hardest part of it, just falling apart all the time, both of them. <laughs> and um so gosh, a lot of Ignatia, probably some Thuya, Stramonium was a big one for a while. Um a lot of nozodes. I mean, because when we started, we had been using so many antibiotics that they had lab reports that were showing yeast and Klebsiella and Clostridia and I don't know, a, a handful of things. And so if one nozode wasn't working, I'd go give another one. I mean, I have all these nozodes in my closet still, Klebsiella nozode, Clostridia nozode, um, many yeast nozodes, um, many, many strep nozodes. And so I found those things to be very helpful when constitutional remedies weren't working. They would get us out of a stuck place. I happen at the time to have been pretty lucky that I came from a biomed doctor who educated me about what you'll see when a certain infection is flaring. And I think, Angelica, you have figured out a lot of this too. So he would tell me when you see these um, symptoms, when you see these behaviors, that's yeast. And he would explain to me when you see these behaviors, that's Klebsiella. When you see this, that's Clostridia. When you see this, that's strep. And that was the main things I was dealing with at my house. And so I sort of knew from working with him that I knew how to identify what infection they had by their behaviors, which <laughs> I don't know. To some people, that sounds crazy, but that's how I was able to identify what they needed as far as nosodes were. And that's homeopathic materia medica. And eventually you telling me that is what translated into the book. Yeah, myself and others too. I mean, you, you, really, did, uh, you really did pick up on a lot of that and you, put it, you brought it all together. And who better to do that than someone who is not dealing with this chaos in their house? Like you were able to take what we were bringing to you and telling you and put it all together. And you, you really did bring it together in an amazing way, I have to say. I still, to this day, and I say this all the time, I don't know how you did this work, do this work, understood this work without having these kids in your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think a lot of people can, can do that. I'd love to kind of let that segue into the kind of practice that we did kind of fall into or develop, which was this more compassionate, intuitive, energetically connecting style of practice. And I'd love to start differentiating the way that we kind of came about what's the best way of helping these very sensitive kids who can react to a lot of things. Um, And we integrated energetic testing techniques and how that kind of differs from your standard classical homeopathy. Yeah. um, So my son got stuck at one point, Bradley, uh, when he was, I don't know. I mean, he had already responded to a lot of remedies. He was 
doing pretty well in terms of pandas, but then he developed pneumonia, went into the hospital. And when he came out of the hospital and he had been given antibiotics and steroids and treatments around, you know, breathing treatments around the clock in the hospital. Um, by the way, you're, I believe you're the one who got him out of the hospital because I called you up crying from the hospital and I'm like, there, nothing's working here. Nothing, nothing they're giving him is getting him out of this. He was in the ICU. And, um, and you suggested a couple remedies and boom, he started breathing. Like I saw the numbers on the, the oxygen monitor go up after giving these remedies. I was like, oh, thank God. And we were out of the hospital within 24 hours. But when he came home, he was in such a horrific panda state. It was actually the worst I'd ever seen. And you and I both couldn't figure out what to give him. Like whatever we gave him would work for a moment and then he'd go back to this state he was in. And so you told me, you know, I want to suggest that you um, go see someone who's doing distance muscle test. I went to her and she suggested the um, strep pneumonia nosode and right away he was fine. And this was months later. So like months of us trying to sort it out, she got him back on track, like within the next day with that nosode. So that blew my mind. And I think it sort of blew your mind. And I think that's why you started learning muscle testing as well, right? I think it was around that time. Yes, that's right, Stephanie. There was another mom I had been working with at the time who was muscle testing remedies really effectively. Um, she just started muscle testing the remedies and figuring out how to dose them, you know, in, in terms of frequency and potency. And she got huge effects from doing that, from tapping into her intuition. And so that kind of became a, a huge piece of how to make it even more effective, how to speed along the journey quicker. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I would say it does make it quicker. Um, you don't have to do about as much trial and error. You can just jump right to what is needed in most cases. Can you speak a little bit more to how? this whole journey transformed into you becoming a homeopath? Yeah. So I don't remember, I don't really remember the moment that I decided to do this, but you know, the thing is I did study pre-med in college and I wanted to go to medical school, but I remember at the time deciding, you know, I have a feeling parenting is going to be more of a priority to me in my life. So I don't see any reason to rack up all these medical bills when I'm probably going to want to stay at home with my kids anyway. And, you know, why do that? I, you know, so I didn't do that. And I ended up going and I ended up becoming a pharmaceutical sales rep. And then I um, became a teacher and then I stayed home with my kids. And so anyway, I've always been interested in just healing and medicine in general. And when I made this shift toward homeopathy, which I was obviously forced to make, I realized, whoa, this stuff works better than anything I've ever done anyway. So I just realized after a while, after seeing my kids just have miracle after miracle, that I wanted to do this. Um, it took a while for me to <clears throat> get to a place where I could go back to school and, um, and I could practice. And, and even now, I, I think I'm, more, I'm in more of a place to be of service and be a more present homeopath than I was even a few years ago. I think part of that is because my kids are older. Uh, they just don't need me as much. 
And so I have more to give to my clients. But yeah, that's basically how that happened. Amazing. And what is it that keeps you going that brings that joy of practicing homeopathy, you know, and and clearly you have the whole background and, and that kind of resonance with the clients that you're working with. So I'm sure there's a feeling of, you know, helping moms who are in your position. Tell me a little bit more about that, what that's like. First of all, one thing I've realized recently is I still haven't lost the wonder of homeopathy. And Angelica, I'd be curious to know how you feel about this too. It's like I can give a remedy and something miraculous happens. And yeah, I've been exposed to homeopathy now for 12 years. And you would you would almost think it's like, well, yeah, okay, no big deal. That symptom went away. But it still blows my mind every single time. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, my son needed a remedy recently for something. And I, I guess there was a little bit of doubt in my mind that the first remedy I chose was going to make the thing go away, the symptom go away. And it did. And and it was just over. And it, we were just going on with our lives. And I was just like, I don't, I still don't get it. It still just blows my mind. You know, even though I have seen this in my clients and my own home over and over and over, my mom, you know, like everybody that I've been able to help along the way, it just still blows my mind. So I think the fact that I still have that wonder, it sort of keeps me coming back to wanting to work with clients. And then something that you and I spoke about earlier, I think as you get older, or some people, when you get older, you start to realize that, um, you know, what really matters in life, what is really important. And I've come to realize that there are not many people in this world who get to have such a deep impact on other people and be a part of something that is life-changing for people, you know? And no, I'm not like a Tony Robbins who has um, an impact on millions of people, but we, the way we practice, we have a deep, deep, deep life-changing impact on a handful of people, you know, um, relatively speaking. And I just think there are very few people on this planet who get to experience that. It's just so it really does bring you a lot of satisfaction, but it also, it's like when you think to when you're 90 and it's your last days and you know, you're, you're like thinking back on your life, like what would you change? Nothing. You've, you've, your work has been so important. Your work has been so appreciated. Your work has changed lives. It's changed their kids' lives. It's changed their kids' lives. And the effect of your work will continue once you've left this earth, you know, and that to me, I, I can't think of any better legacy or, or effect to leave behind. I guess that's just been how, how I've been feeling lately. So it's almost like a privilege to be able to do this work. Can you share a little bit about how you connect to your intuition to find the remedies for your family, for yourself, and for your clients? Because intuition is really helpful on such a core level, and it kind of flabbergasts people. Um, And and people are told, you can't prescribe for your own family um, because you know them too well. So can you speak a little bit about tapping into your intuition? Oh, okay. So I I do muscle testing, but, um, you know, it goes a little bit beyond that. Actually, I was 
talking with a client recently and she's like, I just don't trust my own muscle testing. And I said, yeah, I, I understand that. And, um, and I was that way in the beginning and still, you know, there's times that I'm like, well, let me double check that. But I think part of it, part of being able to tap into your intuition is not being afraid. I, you know, I think if you're scared, like you're doing it wrong, or you're scared, you're not getting the right remedy, or you're scared, then you're not going to trust the intuition you're getting and you're going to doubt it. And then you're going to be testing again. And, you know, I, I think you have to be willing to mess up, I guess you have to accept uncertainty. So if you're the type of person who needs black and white answers, yes, it's going to be hard. And so it's going to be harder for you to um, just sort of get out of your own way. Like you said, ego, you know, like if you need black and white answers all the time, you have to work through that. And I don't know, I'm trying to think of other ways. I mean, I've definitely had dreams for Bradley. I've had when when Bradley has been stuck because Bradley's healing journey journey has been a little bit longer than Eli's because he had issues on a physical level. He has Chiari malformation of the brain. So there were just a lot of things that made it a little bit harder and longer for him to heal. He, I still would even say he's not completely done with, you know, some speech issues and stuff like that. But I would get stuck with Bradley and then I would have a dream of something that I either needed to remove from his life or, or add to his life. And, and every once in a while, I don't have dreams for clients, but I'll wake up and have like a knowing in the morning, or I'll be taking a shower and like some detail of a case pops out at me. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I need to do that. And you know, if you're the type that questions those things and says, Oh, I might have just made that up on my mind, then it can be hard. And so Part of it is just, like you said, getting out of your own way and just trusting what's coming through. You can ask God, you can pray. Um, you know, there's many ways to tap into your intuition. Beautiful. And so now when you work with other families and they're coming to you, what kind of advice would you give to moms who are kind of starting on this journey? I feel like it's a long list, but... You know, I, I will tell them, maybe not in the first consultation, maybe the second and third, once I feel like they've sort of become comfortable, somewhat comfortable with homeopathy, you know, I'll tell them, don't be afraid to, to experiment. Homeopathy is a very safe modality. I would say, don't be afraid to try different things. Um, you ultimately are the one who sees what's going on with your child you are the most connected to your child. If you have something, some idea that comes in, like, oh, I think I want to try a spider remedy, it's not going to hurt to try it. Right. And so what if, what if, you know, they do aggravate and what if they do flare? What direction do you go in? Well, with an aggravation, um, I mean, I, you can recommend the, the aggravation zapper. You can just let it ride out. And just understand that's part of the process. I mean, for anyone who's new, you know, listening to this, aggravations are basically like a healing reaction. I also tell them, listen, this happens in every healing modality. Um, I started dry brushing the other day. And not to have too much TMI, but I woke up at three in the morning with diarrhea. You know, I brushed at like eight o'clock and woke up at three in the morning and I had diarrhea for 24 hours. I mean, to the point where I was stuck 
and I couldn't even bring my son to school. Like, you know, any modality can do this. Oh my gosh, this past summer, I did the safe and sound protocol and it brought up some things that took me a month to deal with. So this can happen with any modality. What's the safe and sound protocol? Oh, that's, it's like um, you listen to music that has been specifically formatted to um, stimulate the vagus nerve to heal. I, I, I've done it twice now. And the first time was pretty hard, but the second time was hard, hard, hard. I mean, things came up that I really had to process. Um, I went into a little bit of a depression from it. Um, so, you know, but that was, you know, why did that happen? Um, I was trying to get on top of some, uh, panic I've been having with highway driving. Um, which is because of accidents I was in years ago. And I, I think I'm just now processing that trauma that I was in, you know? So even though I've been in a relatively healthy state, all of a sudden I can't drive on the highway. So, you know, here I am still healing myself from traumas that happened years ago. And I think it's because now is the time for it to come up. You know, my children don't need me as much anymore. Uh, my oldest son has already moved out of the house. I have time to deal with this now. So you know, you can have an aggravation from any modality. I think people specifically think that it's a homeopathy thing and it's really not, it's an anything thing. And it's really just part of healing. It's, um, it's not suppressive the way, um, an, an antidepressant would be. I mean, I could take Xanax and go driving, you know, um, but I'm choosing to not go that route. I'm choosing to really bring up what is bothering me on the highway and really face it head on. Um, and that wasn't an easy process. So uh, what else would I say about aggravations? I think that's a beautiful way to contextualize it, that it's it's part of healing and then to contextualize it as bringing up what has been suppressed, which is the opposite of the allopathic model, which is generally suppressive in nature and how how much we have to embrace that there else is also this part of you healing yourself, recognizing that to help your kids, you worked on yourself, your kids are doing great, but you, you evolved incredibly and went through huge life shifts in the course of your healing with homeopathy. Yeah. And I, something I learned, um, actually there was a moment, I remember the moment I sort of <laughs> understood this. Um, Bradley does really well with craniosacral therapy, but he doesn't like to go because it's boring. <laughs> so, because he just has to lay there, you know, so it's boring, but he does really well with it. And there are times that he will just refuse to go. Um, and so I was frustrated by that for a while. And then I realized instead of like banging my head against the wall, trying to get him to go do craniosacral therapy, I said, I'm going to go, I'm going, and I'm going to do this for myself. Instead, I'll take that money and that time, and I'm going to go do it for myself. And what was interesting when I did that is I, later when I saw Bradley, he had shifted as if he had the craniosacral therapy himself. And it just made me realize that sometimes like when, when the road is blocked with your own kid, then shift the focus to yourself and heal yourself. Because really, maybe that is actually what is needed in that moment. Maybe I needed to go have that craniosacral therapy done for myself. And in turn, I saw a shift in Bradley as if he had been the one to go that day, which I just found so strange. Um, and I, 
I recently worked with a client who um, we've been sort of up against some blocks with her son. And I said, hey, why don't we just shift to you for a bit? Let's just work on you. Um, She hadn't started any remedies. She hadn't, she's really, she wasn't doing anything um, for herself. And I said, let's just focus on you. We can come back to him. This might be what we need to do right now. And so I think when people do come up against a block with their own kids, they, they should possibly focus on their own healing. Absolutely. I think that pretty much sums everything up. You're still out there um, practicing, which is a beautiful thing. Is there anything else you would like to share, Stephanie? I wish, honestly, that I could talk more about my own kids' story these days because the severity of their symptoms is just mind-blowing, what, what, where they started and where they both have come to. Uh, and I think their role was to be my teacher in some ways. You know, the peace, the um, the closeness in our family unit. Um, I couldn't ask for more. And, you know, my older son, even down to like the, his selection of a girlfriend, like she's been around for three years. She's just an amazing human being. And he had to be in an amazing place to attract that into his life. So you know, the snowball effect of um, a solid family unit, and then more people come into your life that um, are resonant with you. Um, so it really, I, I really believe that the healing continues to snowball, even beyond what you could ask for and what you're looking for at the time. So anyway, you know, I'm sure some people are listening to this and saying, oh, that's just a miracle story, a once in a lifetime. No, I don't think it is. I think it's just really what you set your mind on, what you, you know, you just, it's really not giving up. It's just not giving up even when it looks really dark. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Stephanie, your website is, if people want to contact you? Uh, StephanieNewtonHomeopathy.com. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, Thank you so much. I look forward to continuing our relationship and seeing how this all continues to snowball. All right. Thank Thanks, you guys. Angelica. Thanks. Bye-bye.